2 Timothy chapter 2. I don't want to waste any more God's time. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and uh, verse 4, verse 3 and 4, and verse 8 through 13. Paul, Paul is writing here about the path of a good soldier in the time of apostasy. Uh, when Brother Kenny called me, uh, just shortly after he called me and talked with me, my mind went to this passage of Scripture and uh, about uh, where Paul talks to us about uh, being a good soldier of Jesus Christ and what is involved in, in being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse number 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And then down to verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot Deny himself. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the privilege of sharing your word. Thank you for our calling. Uh, it is a great honor that you have bestowed upon us. Uh, that you counted us worthy to, to, to share your word and to expound your word. And Father, we thank you for that. We pray that your word will find a place in our hearts. And that your Holy Spirit will work in the lives of all who are here today that he will apply your word to our hearts, uh, that it may accomplish your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul often used military illustrations. If you're familiar with the, the writings of Paul and the epistles of Paul, you know that he often used military illustrations in his letters. Uh, and so in, in these verses and in some of the other things that I We'll share with you as we go further on. Uh, he describes the characteristics of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, what it means, what it means to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. Well, verse number four, or verse number three, uh, Paul says that he endures hardship. He endures hardship. This Christian life is not an easy life. It, it's not. It's not a bed of roses. If we're sincere about serving God and being a good soldier of Jesus Christ, then we must endure hardship. There will be trials. There will be troubles. There will be many tests along the way and trials along the way. And so we must endure hardness. We must, we must harden ourselves to, to the things that, that will come just as, just as a soldier prepares himself and, and, and makes himself fit for battle. And so a dedicated Christian is in a battle. Uh, that battle requires a spiritual endurance. A spiritual 
endurance. Uh, and, and, and of course the Bible tells us that we, we, don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood. You know, as a soldier in war times and war zone, we, we fight against other people. We war with flesh and blood. But Paul says we as a, as a good soldier, we, we don't wrestle or fight with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. And so uh, we, we, we must endure as a Christian, as a soldier uh, that is in battle, that is in battle. And so it requires a, a spiritual endurance. Uh, I remember... Uh, I remember one day our daughter asked me at work, she said, uh, she said, Daddy, has spiritual warfare ever become real, very real to you? And I said, yes, ma'am, it has. It certainly has. And she said, well, it became very real to me today. Spiritual warfare. And so we must have hardness. We must endure hardship as a soldier of the cross. And then the good soldier of Jesus Christ must avoid worldly entanglements. Verse 4 says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We must avoid worldly entanglements. Now you know and I know, you know and I know, that there's more things to do than we have time to do them. And, of course, Satan just keeps putting more stuff in front of us to do and to, to, to steal our time away and to entangle us so that we cannot be an effective soldier of, of Jesus Christ. The soldier of Jesus Christ is committed to his commanding officer. And in our case, this is Jesus Christ. He's committed to his commanding officer. We should not get involved in sidelines that will divide our interest and weaken our ministry. Brother Oliver B. Green used to say, if a man's too busy to study his Bible, he's just too busy. If he's too busy to pray, he's just too busy. He's become entangled in other things of the world and he's, and he's, and he's let that block out, choke out God's work in his life. And so... We should not get involved in things that will divide our interest and, 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 and cause us to, to, to forget that we are in a battle, that we are a soldier of the cross, that we're a soldier of Jesus Christ. You think about, you think about when someone goes into the military, what's one of the first things that happens? He's removed from the life that most everybody else lives. He's removed from that. When I enlisted in the Navy down in Fort Jackson, they flew me all the way to the West Coast. They was going to make sure, Brother Kenny, I didn't run away or try to come home. But we are removed, you see. Soldiers are removed from the life that most others live. Why? Because... They are to dedicate themselves to defending the freedom of our nation, you see. And so, and so they're, not, they're not entangled with other things. They're focused and concentrated on the task at hand, on the war at hand. And so he avoids worldly entanglements. The good soldier of Jesus Christ, he magnifies 
Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now, that, that, that can also be rendered, remember Jesus Christ. Like, like a war cry, you see. Like, remember the Alamo. Or, remember Pearl Harbor. Paul says, remember Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Jesus said, they persecute me, they'll persecute you. You're not, uh, you know, you're not going to be treated any different as a follower of Jesus Christ. But we must magnify Him, you see. We must magnify Him. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Our purpose is to bring honor and glory to Him. You see, He's a great encouragement to us because He, he suffered. He's an encouragement to suffering Christian soldiers because He died and rose again. He died and rose again. And so He, you know, the Bible says He was tempted in all points like as we are. And so He can succor us who are tempted. And so He's a great encouragement. He died and rose again, proving that suffering leads to glory. You see, he endured, he endured the shame of the cross and the suffering of the cross for the glory that was beyond that. He knew, he knew that suffering led to glory. He was treated as an evildoer. And so his soldiers will be treated. The best way to glorify Jesus Christ is through the ministry of the Word. Through the ministry of the Word. Paul was bound, but he said, God's Word's not bound. He said, I'm in prison, but God's Word is still being preached. And he said, they, you know, and this is a paraphrase, they might not preach it the same way that I'm preaching it, but it's still being preached, you see. And so, Christ was being glorified. He was being magnified. The soldier, the good soldier of Jesus Christ, thinks of the whole army. Verse 10 says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And so the soldier of the cross thinks of the whole army. The whole army. God's people are chosen by His grace, called by His Spirit. But there was still a lot of people to reach with the gospel. And Paul wanted to help reach them with the gospel. You know, we hear when we talk about the military, you know, we hear about people who are killed in combat. And we say they are, they died for our freedom. They, they fought, they sacrificed, they fought for our freedom. Just like Jesus Christ died so that we might be set free. But there's, there's another thing that takes place. So many times when our military goes into foreign lands, 
They help to liberate people who are in bondage in those lands. Many times people have been brought out. Many times children have been brought out from these other lands and other countries because of our military, because of our soldiers. And so a good soldier of Jesus Christ goes in, listen to me, listen to what I'm saying. Jesus, they go into enemy territory, the good soldier of Jesus Christ. They go into the enemy's territory and help liberate people, help get them free. Help bring the gospel to them so that they can be saved and be set free. I remember a good soldier of Jesus Christ who drove an old station wagon. (laughs) And she had, I don't know, four or five kids, I guess, but she found room for me in the back of it. And she took me to church and she told me how much God loved me. And she helped me to be set free because she was a good soldier of Jesus Christ. She was fighting the battle. When we were in our second pastorate up at Damascus, up on top of the mountain, we was driving up 76 one Sunday morning, Brother Kenny, and I saw her car going out a gravel road. There was a trailer way off out yonder. And I saw her car going out the gravel road, and I, looked, I turned and told my wife, I said, she's still at it. She's still going into enemy territory and bringing those children out so they can be free. A good soldier of Jesus Christ. Trust his commanding officer. Verse 11, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. He also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Faith in Jesus Christ that gives us the victory. You see. It is faith in Jesus Christ that gives what a pair of paradoxes. (laughs) Death leads to life and suffering leads to glory. See, the important thing is that we do not deny our Lord. We do not deny our Lord. You know, military people are familiar with roll call or muster. So one of these days, one of these days, there'll be a great roll call in glory. When the medals are given out, and we'll lose our reward if we deny his name. But Paul makes it even, he makes it very clear in verse 13 that even our doubt and unfaithfulness cannot change him. Because he abideth faithful. He abideth faithful. You see, it's not by it's not by trying to be faithful that we win the victory. But it's by looking to the faithful one, the author and the finisher of our faith, you see, that we win the victory by looking to him. You know, when, when I said, Brother Kenny, call me, and I, my mind went to this passage of Scripture, and, and all during the week I, I was thinking about this and studying notes on this, and, 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 and God was preaching it to me. And then about 9 o'clock Friday night, about 9 o'clock Friday night, the Spirit said, are you not going to tell them about the enemy? Are you not going to tell them about the enemy? Well, I'm going to tell you about the enemy 
won't take me but a few minutes, but I'm going to share something. I'm not going to, I'm not going to expound on all of these thoughts and all of these names. But you know, you know, his name is Satan. You know he's called a serpent. You know he's called a roaring lion. He's called the old dragon. He's called a lot of names. A lot of names. But this is our enemy. This is the enemy that we battle. His name is Satan. He is a deceiver. He's a deceiver. His target, and I'm going to use some military phrases. His target is our mind. His weapon is lies. His mission, his mission is to make us, make us ignorant of God's will. Our defense, our defense, the inspired word of God. The inspired word of God. Give you a quick example of that. Eve. Eve. You see, the deceiver came to Eve and he said, did God really say that? You see, he was, he was after her mind. Did God really say that? You're, you, you're not really going to die. And he is the deceiver. And he lies. He is the destroyer. The Bible calls him a destroyer. His target is our body. His weapon is suffering. His mission is... It's to make you impatient with God's will. Make you impatient with God's will. You see, Paul was sick, and he prayed. He asked God to remove it three times. And what did God tell him? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. God's strength is made perfect in weakness. But you see, Satan is a destroyer. He wants to target our body. He wants to make us suffer. He wants us to become impatient with God. But our defense is the grace of God. Our defense, you see, is the grace of God. Never, never leave us. It's always there. My wife's youngest brother... Died with cancer many years ago. But I'll never forget what he told me one day, Brother Kenny. He'd go, to, he'd go to the hospital for treatment for chemo and radiation and witness to people while he was there. He told me one day, he said, very simple, he said, Brother James, he said, God gives everybody a measure of grace. He said, God imparts grace to everybody. But he said, when you look death in the face, he said he gives you a special kind of grace. Our defense, the imparted grace of God. And then he's the accuser. His target is your heart. His target is your heart and your conscience. His weapon is accusations. His mission is to bring an indictment against you. But you see, our weapon is the interceding Son of God. The interceding Son of God. 
When you and I have disobeyed God, Satan moves in to attack our heart and our conscience, and he wants to make us feel defeated. You know the feeling. You've been there. You've disobeyed God and thought, I've messed up. There's no way I can get back. There's no way I can be what God wants me to be because of what I've done. And Satan just keeps reminding you of that, reminding you of that. Because he's the accuser. He's the accuser. (laughs) So you call yourself a Christian. That's what he says. You call yourself a Christian. You see, when he's tempting us, when Satan is tempting us, he whispers in our ear, don't worry, you can get away with it. Don't worry, you can get away with it. I don't want nobody to know. You can get away with it. But after we sin, after we sin, he shouts, you'll never get away with it. I got you now. You'll never get away with it. He's the accuser. When Satan talks to you about God, he lies. When Satan talks to you about God, he lies. But when he talks to God about you, he sometimes tells the truth, doesn't he? See what Abraham did? He lied about his wife. He left the place of blessing and went down into Egypt and lied about his wife. See what David did? He committed adultery and then killed her husband. The accuser. The accuser. <laughs> he says, were you, were you listening, God? Were you listening, God? Did you just hear Peter swear and deny your son three times? Because he's the accuser of the soldiers of the cross. You see, when the Spirit of God convicts, he uses the word. He uses the word. And, 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 and he does that in order to bring us back into fellowship with our Heavenly Father. When Satan accuses, he uses our sin to make us feel helpless and hopeless. Satan wants you to think you're too far gone. He wants you to experience regret. He wants you to experience remorse. But there's something he doesn't want you to experience. (laughs) And that is repentance and forgiveness. The joy of being forgiven. He doesn't want you to experience that. He just wants you to, to be regretful and suffer remorse. Satan might be right here beside of you, accusing you. But the Son of God is at the Father's right hand interceding for you interceding for you and then this is the last one he's the ruler Jesus said he was the prince of this world the prince of this world his target is your will you see that that's his ultimate target he, he may target your mind or he, he may he may cause you suffering in your body his ultimate target is your will that's, that's what he wants. His weapon is pride. Are you listening? His weapon is pride. His mission is to make you independent of God's will. Independent of God's will. You know, 
one of his favorite lies. And I know you've experienced this, probably everyone. I'm, I'm sure all of you have. One of his greatest lies is that I'm okay. When you look at your life, Satan says you are right where God wants you to be. You are the best Christian that's ever walked upon the face of the earth. There's nothing wrong with your life. There's nothing that you need to change. And he wants you to take pride in that fact. Our defense is the indwelling spirit. When's the last time you've asked God to look into your heart and reveal your sin to you? Reveal where you're wrong, where you're out of place. Reveal what needs to change in your life. When's the last time you did that? God's Spirit will lead you to do that. If I were to ask, what was David's great sin? What was David's great sin? Some of you would say adultery, probably. Some of you would probably say murder. Some of you would say deceit or lying. Well, because of all of those sins, there were four people who died. There were four people who died. Uriah, the child that was born of Bathsheba, Amnon, and Absalom. But if you look over in the book of 1 Samuel, you'll find that David decided that he would number the soldiers of Israel or the, 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 the people of Israel. Someone who was very close to him advised him not to do that. But you see, David wanted to know because it was a matter of pride to him. He wanted to know because it was a matter of pride. How many times do we let pride come into our life? To make that count, it took almost 10 months. God gave him almost 10 months to repent of his pride. But he didn't. He wanted his way. He wanted to know how many people there were, how many soldiers there were. And David's great sin was not adultery. It was not murder. It was pride. God's great sin was pride. If you back up in the Scriptures from that, it tells you about the battles that David fought and won and about the crowns and, and the treasures that he had. David won a lot of battles, but listen, he lost the war because of pride. Because of his pride, 70,000 died. 70,000 people died he was given he was given an opportunity to choose his punishment or his judgment well he thought he'd be cute and just turn it over to God and I guess he thought in his pride that God would forget about it that God would be impressed if he said well I'm just going to place myself in the hands of God and whatever God wants to do I guess he thought pridefully that that would buy him some favor with God 70,000 people lost their lives. When Satan tempted our Lord, he tried to appeal to human pride. He tried to appeal to human pride. Look at all this. You have all this. Jump off this. Jump off this. God will 
he'll 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 bear you up and you know you you'll be famous you'll be famous they'll write books about you and bring tv cameras out and make movies and you know pride pride Satan may begin by deceiving your mind as he did with Eve. He may attack your body as he did with Job or Paul. But ultimately, he must get to the will. Our defense is the indwelling spirit. The indwelling spirit. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us what we must do to allow the Spirit of God to work in us. Paul said, I beseech you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice something in those two verses. Some of the same things that I've been talking about. Your body, your will, your mind. Paul tells us there how to, what we must do so that God's Spirit can work in us. Remember, in the battle against Satan, the only way to conquer is to surrender. The only way to conquer is to surrender to Jesus Christ. Put our life in His hand. Trust Him with our lives day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. And he'll help us to be a good soldier of the cross. A good soldier of the cross. James chapter 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And verse 8a says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Draw nigh unto God. If you want to win the victory, if you want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, if you want to be victorious in battle, the first thing you need to do is surrender. Surrender. Just like you did, just like you did when you were saved. Just like you did when you were saved. Remember? Remember? You waved the white flag and said, God, I, I, I've had enough. I'm giving up. I'm surrendering to you. Put my life in your hands. You want to be a good soldier. You got to surrender. Brother Kenny, would you come and lead us in the invitation?